reading together. So I'll invite you to please stand as you are able for our reading, which comes to us today from the the book of Acts, chapter 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he found a Jew named Aquila from Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, and they worked together. By trade, they were tent makers. Every Sabbath, he would argue in the synagogue and would try to convince Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with proclaiming the word, testifying to the Jews that the Messiah was Jesus. When they opposed and reviled him in protest, he shook the dust from his clothes and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then he left the synagogue and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the official of the synagogue, became a believer in the Lord. Together with all his household and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul became believers and were baptized. One night the Lord said to Paul in a vision, Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not be silent, for I am with you. No one will lay a hand on you to harm you, for there are many in this city who are my people. He stayed there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal. They said, This man is persuading people to worship God in ways that are contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of crime or serious villainy, I would be justified in accepting the complaint of you Jews. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names in your own law, see to it yourselves. I do not wish to be a judge of these matters. And he dismissed them from the tribunal. Then all of them seized Sosthenes, the official of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Should we do that? Sam short. Well, there is a short. Yeah. <laughs> Beloved family of God, grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. In 1963, amid civil rights protests in their hometown of Birmingham, Alabama, there was a group of eight religious leaders, eight well-respected clergy, pastors, and bishops from around the city who published an open letter called A Call for Unity. They'd seen the civil rights protests happening in the streets and viewed the unrest as troubling and somewhat inconvenient. They understood the protesters' impatience as they marched for their rights, but ultimately wanted them to wait for the courts to decide on when those rights would be granted, or if those rights would be granted. 
There was a young preacher in the city named Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who read this open letter while he was sitting in jail for participating in those very same protests. And he felt the need to respond. So he started writing in the margins of the newspaper. And once he had filled all of those up, he would write on any scrap of paper he could find. He would write on napkins. He would write on uh, wrappers that they brought sandwiches into him. Anything he could find, he would continue to write until he'd made his point. And in one section of the letter, he makes this salient point about how the oppression of one group doesn't just affect that one group, but has a way of opening up toward all. It affects everyone. And he writes this. He says, We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. It's that single garment of destiny that Dr. King would continue to pursue throughout the rest of his life. The final book he wrote was about the threat of tearing this single garment anew. And he titled it, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community? And in it, he talks so much about the relationships that guide our lives. And though this book was written over 50 years ago, I think we could still ask that question in a lot of our circumstances looking around the world today. Where do we go from here? Chaos or community? We see a lot of this spectrum of relationships on display in our Acts reading for today, too. So much of this reading is about witnessing relationships and the ways in which they can go sideways. Let's start at the end of our reading and work our way backward. There's quarrels that have erupted among God's people, and they seek a resolution through the courts. Those religious leaders from Birmingham would be so proud. <laughs> a group from within the Jewish community bring the accusation against Paul that he's leading people astray. He's teaching people to worship God in ways that contradict the law. And so they bring this to Gallio, a proconsul, a Roman senator at the time, to be the judge. But he clearly could not care less. He has no interest in being a part of this. In fact, Eugene Peterson in the message translation tells the end of the story like this. Gallio's response is, take care of this on your own time. I can't be bothered with nonsense. And he cleared them out of the courtroom. Now the street rabble turned on Sosthenes, the new president, and beat him up in plain sight of the court. And Gallio didn't raise a finger because he could not have cared less. Sometimes when we witness relationships, we witness relationships gone bad. We witness the tearing apart of that single garment of destiny. It seems pretty clear that nothing about this scene could be characterized in any way as being a part of a good or right relationship. There's quarreling among God's people and 
A leader in the community just could not be bothered with it. Watches the crowd assault an innocent person and does nothing. His relationship to the community is treated as some kind of a callous disregard. It's one type of way we can be in relationship with one another. Keeping one another at a distance, saying, ah, it's not my problem. Earlier in the text, we meet a married couple that are mentioned a few times throughout the New Testament, but never given much detail. Our Acts reading starts today with Paul meeting a Jewish man named Aquila who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They, along with fellow Christians, had been expelled from Rome by the emperor. Paul stayed with them, worked alongside this couple in ways that seem different from other relationships. Dr. Willie Jennings, in his commentary, writes this. He says, Priscilla and Aquila are a couple under ideal conditions. They're not consumed with self-preservation, but with a shared life that yields to the Holy Spirit. Indeed, Luke does not give us a domestic order or even a vision of gender complementarity, but as disciples together. He concludes by saying, Luke shows us what a married couple can do joined to Jesus. Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned several other times in the New Testament. Every time they are mentioned together as one unit serving where the Spirit follows. They spend time in Corinth and Ephesus. Ultimately, they even go back to Rome and are cited by Paul in his letter to the Romans as being essential to the establishment of the church in Rome. He calls them co-workers in Christ Jesus and even thanks them in his letter for risking their necks for him. <laughs> They're tent makers. They would go to a new place and begin to build a community, begin to gather together a group of people meeting in homes to worship and pray together. It's not too different from how Calvary started. Pastor Aaron was visiting with Alta Manth this last week and reflecting on how Alta and Sherman, as some of the founding members of the community, gather in homes. George and Nett, you could tell us some similar stories, I'm sure. Gathering to read scripture and pray together and being led by the Spirit to build community together. This is the sort of relationship that is lifted up from our story of Acts today. Of being joined together in community, joined together as the Spirit leads. I think Priscilla and Aquila understood Dr. King's single garment of destiny. They understand that kind of inescapable network of mutuality that happens within our relationships with one another. The middle of our story is, I think, where many of us often live in our relationships with one another. We're not necessarily <clears throat> callously unconcerned like Gallio is. But we're not always necessarily in step with the closest among us, like Priscilla and Aquila. For sure, we strive to be, but sometimes we can fall short. 
Instead, I think sometimes we're like the Apostle Paul in this text, in the middle passage of our reading. We're striving to be in relationship with one another, trying hard to build those bridges, but sometimes we can get a little frustrated. We can try our hardest to communicate and try our hardest to break through those walls that rise up between us and another person, but sometimes we just can't get there. And it seems like that single garment of destiny might be ripped apart after all. I mean, who among us hasn't been frustrated in relationships like the Apostle Paul? Who among us hasn't shaken the dust from our clothes and exclaimed, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. I mean, who among us hasn't exclaimed that from time to time? That's a Tuesday around our house, right? From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. But the Holy Spirit continues to guide Paul. The Holy Spirit does not abandon him in his frustration. The Holy Spirit continues to guide, to shape, to form him. The Lord comes to him in a vision and says, Do not be afraid. Speak and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will lay a hand on you to harm you, for there are many in this city who are my people. Amid The frustrations amid our quarrels with one another, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and speaks a word of peace that we all long to hear. The Spirit reminds us that each person we meet is God's child, that we will never look into the eyes of someone who is not loved by God, because it's the love of God that binds us together into that single garment of destiny. A couple of weeks back, I did some continuing education down in Minneapolis. After the conference was over, some friends and I went down to South Minneapolis to visit George Floyd Square. And this past Thursday was the third anniversary of his murder at that very street corner. It was a powerful reminder of the relationships that we steward of the ways in which we can be in relationship with one another, but also the ways our relationships can go sour. The ways in which that single garment of destiny can be tested and can come near to being ripped apart. Served as another reminder that we're still, in many ways, asking the question that Dr. King did. Where do we go from here? Chaos or community? It's our prayer as the people of God. It's our prayer as the church gathered together in the midst of relationships that are sometimes good and are sometimes not. That we gather together for worship. We gather together and confess our shortcomings, receive God's forgiveness. We gather together in prayer and reading scripture. We gather around this table where God meets us and restores us. It's our prayer that we're able then to follow the examples of saints like Priscilla and Aquila. Saints of the church who worked together to build community and bring about the kingdom of God. They're disciples whose mutuality and love and relationship sets a course for us, paves a path forward, 
They've shown us the power of what God can do in the shared life of people committed to following the Holy Spirit. It's my prayer this weekend that we have the boldness to follow as well. Thanks be to God. Amen.